Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our program, Praying for America. It is great to have you with us, and it's great to have a special guest with us who I'm introduce in just a moment. But we're going to talk about a project. We're going to talk about equipping you to close down abortion facilities in your community. And this is a key part of praying for America, that we be freed from the stain and the damage that these abortion facilities are doing to children, to entire families, to our entire society. In that light, of course, we are celebrating now uh, the great feast of Easter. A happy Easter to all of you. The celebration continues now uh, in the Christian world for uh, for a number of weeks when we just uh, enjoy the, the, the light of the resurrection and the singing of Alleluia's, the victory of life. That's why we want to start out this Easter season by reflecting on one of the ways that we can secure the victory of life, exposing and acting upon uh, the uh, acting against the evil of the abortion industry. Scripture talks about this in terms of shining light in darkness. Let's read from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. He says in chapter 5, starting in verse 6, Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the disobedient. So do not be associated with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for light produces every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth. Take no part in the fruitless works of darkness, Rather, expose them. For it is shameful even to mention the things done by them in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we rejoice in your resurrection. You are light, you are life, you are the victory of justice, you are the triumph of love and mercy. As we celebrate your resurrection, Lord, we commit to live in the light ourselves and to use the light of your truth to shine into the dark corners of our society. Lord, we know that the darkest corner of our society are the abortion mills the corruption within the abortion industry, the damage that is carried out by unscrupulous people who care nothing for life, dignity, family, or civilization itself. And certainly, Lord God, care nothing for you. Lord Jesus, may the light of your resurrection shine on this evil, purify America of the evil of abortion, and enable us to do our part in bringing an end to this industry of death. We ask this of you, Lord Jesus, risen from the dead forever and ever. Amen. Well, let me bring on our guest now. Uh, Missy Martinez Stone is CEO 
of a group called Reprotection. It really is a movement within the pro-life movement, and she's going to explain it to us, whereby we can expose, act upon the information of how abortion facilities are harming uh, moms and dads and families, and uh, can take steps to eliminate these facilities from our midst. Missy, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So we're going to talk about this in some detail, and I want to invite people to uh, visit, of course, your website, mm -hmm. which is not just information, but action-oriented. They can get involved. And that is reprotection.org, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, so there they can learn about our history, how we started, and what are the next steps that they can take to get involved and start looking into how to shut down the abortion business in their community. Let me start by, of course, you use the word business, and this is a key framework for people because some think of abortion simply as a debate, some think of it mm -hmm. simply as a, a political conflict, and certainly there are aspects, uh, of course, that are, that are debate-oriented, that are political-oriented. Mm -hmm. um, some think of it just as a clash of beliefs or a clash of philosophies or theologies. Mm -hmm. But essentially, one of the best ways to understand it is as a business. Right. I mean, this is these are people literally selling death mm -hmm. and the insight that it is a business is going to help people understand what you are doing in reprotection -re as well as the insight. Let me mention what I uh, I often say to people and then you can um, uh, connect it with what you do. Right. I say to people, you can't practice vice virtuously. So if you're conscience has become so clouded and so so seared that you can actually kill a baby mm -hmm. then you'll be doing all kinds of other evil things as well and mm -hmm. it, 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 wickedness can never be practiced purely it's going to always be associated with other kinds mm -hmm. of vice and that's when we why when we look at the abortion business while the act of abortion in itself is highly immoral the law has said that it's legal, and yet people who are doing that are going to be breaking all kinds of other laws and harming people in all kinds of other ways. And an aspect of what you do is to expose all that, isn't it? Tell right. Us about yeah. What's so interesting is we actually use that quote pretty regularly to explain what we do because it's such a perfect summary that you can't practice vice virtuously. And so what we do is we help pro-lifers in their communities identify the ways that abortion businesses are breaking the laws. Even though states are passing pro-life legislation, they're passing abortion regulations just to get that industry to the same standard that every other medical practice needs to meet, depending on who is actually sitting in those regulatory agencies, who is sitting at the health department or who is sitting on the medical board, if they don't agree with those regulations, they were either interpreting them as loosely as possible in favor of the abortion industry, or they were ignoring them altogether. And so we had great efforts from pro-life legislators and from the pro-life community to protect women and children uh, from the dangers of abortion. And yet, when we actually looked at how that was being uh, implemented in states, a lot of them weren't being enforced. And it created 
this hotbed for essentially an unregulated industry where physicians could practice here that probably couldn't practice in any other field because mm -hmm. they don't want to meet the same standards that other medical uh, practitioners need to meet. And so, like you said, if you have someone willing to dismember children, um, they're going to be okay with breaking administrative code, with having someone in a position that they're not qualified to do, uh, with uh, not sanitizing instruments, you know, and so we look for those ways that the abortion facility is violating the law. We take it to the agencies and we say, you need to do your job. You need to step in and enforce these laws that are on the books. You know, uh, back in the uh, 1990s, when I started out with Priests for Life, one of the things I helped to put together uh, was a resource, the book called Lime 5 that came out from Life Dynamics. And uh, mm -hmm. it documented, and we were going around getting information uh, that went into this book, all kinds of violations, uh, mm -hmm. exactly like you're saying now, violations of the law, various forms of malpractice, insurance fraud, money mm -hmm. laundering, sexual abuse, uh, terrible things going on inside the abortion industry. Uh, and, and, and one of the things I remember, you mentioned about the sterilization of the instruments. Uh, one of the people I helped to um, find healing after she came out of the abortion industry mm -hmm. said to me one day, uh, oh yeah, you know, Father Frank, uh, we never sterilized the instruments. Yeah. Now she ran six legal abortion facilities. Oh yeah, we never sterilized the instruments. Mm -hmm. And we were having lunch together and I had to stop and I said, could, could you say that again? Did I hear you correctly? Oh yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, these people are unscrupulous. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you of course are seeing this in, in the work you're doing just as we've seen it in, 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 in ours. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit more about, I mean, we all work on, as you said, passing these laws mm -hmm. that will help or they're aimed to protect mm -hmm. uh, both the baby and the mother. Uh, tell us a little more, the, some of the specifics of these, some of these kinds of laws and regulations that we mm -hmm. are in fact able to pass, but right. that these clinics are not interested in enforcing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, classic ones that we see, um, and these apply to all medical facilities. Some of the stuff that we uh, deal with our, our violent HIPAA violations. We had an abortionist that was opening patient records and showing them to people on the sidewalk to justify why he had treated a patient poorly saying that she had been there before. And we said, that's a HIPAA violation. <laughs> you cannot be showing uh, patient records to complete strangers. Um, but we have laws like waiting periods, um, informed consent. That's a really, really important one that states have had to pass specifically about abortion because what essentially was happening was women were coming in and not being told anything about the procedure anything about their options, uh, the risks that were involved. They were go they were agreeing to an abortion procedure with no knowledge. And that's just not informed consent. And so states had to pass a very, very specific language saying, if you have a patient coming in and she wants to have an abortion, these are the things that you need to cover. And it has to be covered by a medical professional. We had a specific case here in Kentucky where their office manager 
was claiming to be a licensed social worker and was having those informed consent conversations with women, uh, but they were severely lacking. She wasn't going over any of the information required by Kentucky law. Uh, we had somebody actually schedule that informed consent conversation. And by the end of it, I said, do you even know what procedure you're signed up for? And she said, I have no idea. She never told her whether it was a surgical or a medical procedure. How can you consent to a procedure when you don't even know which one you're having? And right. so we actually had the Board of Social Work in Kentucky send her a cease and desist because she had no license of any kind and was calling herself a licensed social worker. Um, yeah. But something like informed consent um, is something that states have had to come in and say, you have to tell women what they are agreeing to. You know what you're, you were just saying remind me of another situation where uh, a, a former abortionist told me, oh, yeah, you know, I, I dressed as a doctor. I introduced myself mm -hmm. as a doctor. And then she looked at me and said, I never spent a day in medical yeah. school. Mm -hmm. Now, people would not, but people hear this and say, oh, you, know, you got to be kidding. We have to stress here at the beginning. And for those of that are just joining us, we're talking with Missy Martinez Stone, who heads up a, an effort called Reprotection. You can go to reprotection.org to see all about it. But we're 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 talking about what it is right now. And uh, people have to understand from the outset here mm -hmm. that it is next to impossible to exaggerate the level of unregulation, the level yeah. of chaos, the level of disarray, uh, the, 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 the filth, the malpractice, the mm -hmm. absolute lack of any scruples whatsoever on the part of those who are operating the so-called safe and legal abortion clinics in our country. Yeah. They are out of control. And they are being operated, my friends, by people with no conscience whatsoever. Yeah. So when it comes to this, uh, Missy, what, first of all, tell us the name reprotection, therefore, based on what you've already said. Explain to us more the significance of that word. Yeah. Um, David B. Wright is our board chair, and we uh -huh. really, really took time to pray and uh think about what to call ourselves. Um, we, our name was really important because we wanted it to communicate that we are protecting women. We are protecting women um, in, in their reproductive health, true protection, almost taking that word back. Uh, we were a little bit surprised that the, the word hadn't been used already because it seemed like something that the abortion industry would have already co-opted. But we want to uh, communicate that we are actually protecting women in that vulnerable state that they're in. Because um, when they are seeking care, uh, it, it, especially in that age group, when they are pregnant, that's a really vulnerable place, vulnerable place to be. And so we want to put our, ourselves on the side of we are actually protecting women. The abortion industry is not. And yeah, go, go ahead. No, the, the reprotection is is, is is it meant to sound like reproduction? It's reproductive protection, and it's okay. we made we made the word up. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Re reproductive protection. Yeah. And uh, and I think of it, too. You know, when I first um, 
started to get to know you, which was right at the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought too, in, se in the sense of we, we have instituted a certain level of protection mm -hmm. by getting laws passed as we are yeah. frequently able to do that would require safety standards in the abortion yeah. facilities, for example. For example, you're, 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 again, most people would presume that this is the case, but it's not it's that, not. you know, your staff have to be trained in the procedures that they're doing that if you're going to administer anesthesia, well, you got to be trained in anesthesiology, mm -hmm. uh, that you have to have emergency medical equipment uh, on hand at the facility, things mm -hmm. like basic things like that. We're often able to get laws passed. And so that's providing a layer of protection. But when these facilities, not if, but when they violate these, these existing laws, mm -hmm. there has to be action taken to expose that to, to mm -hmm. correct that. And mm -hmm. therefore it's a re-protection. We're mm -hmm. going again. And I love that. I love that interpretation. That is a yeah. great interpretation, but it really is. We are that extra layer because the agencies that are in place who are responsible, who are supposed to be the ones to be that extra layer for somebody who's had a, a traumatic experience with a physician, they don't want to touch the abortion industry. The, well, the abortion industry has become so difficult to work with, so difficult to regulate because they will sue anybody who tries to regulate them or they make such a fuss that regulatory agencies don't want to touch them. And so we have to provide that extra layer. And I want to, I want to dwell on that for a moment. First of all, I want to clear up a confusion that will, will no doubt come into the minds of some people. We are not interested brothers and sisters in anything less than abolishing abortion. Absolutely. When we talk, when we talk about uh, Missy, yes, you know, this full well, when we talk about regulating the abortion mm -hmm. industry, it's not that that's our final goal. We're mm -hmm. not content with regulating murder. We, we want to end the abortion industry altogether. So everyone mm -hmm. needs to understand that obviously is our mission and our stance. Mm -hmm. What we're saying is while this is happening, not only are babies being killed, but mothers are being mutilated, all kinds of malpractices going on. And one of the ways you can actually close these facilities right. is to insist that the common sense laws that cover mm -hmm. practically all medical procedures yes are enforced against the abortion industry. Because fact of the matter is, uh, and Missy, I'd love to hear your comment on this, that the, the fact of the matter is that, that, that even though these regulations are common sense and widely applied in the, in the medical industry, these abortion facilities cannot live up to these standards. Yeah. They cannot. And so that if you enforce them, you're basically going to force a lot of these places to close. Absolutely. And that, that is the whole idea, is that the level of physicians that work in this field, like I said, probably couldn't work in a lot of other fields. They can't get admitting privileges at hospitals or they can't get transfer agreements because the hospitals see them as such a risk because they botch so many abortions. Um, they can't afford to have their buildings up to code so that gurneys can get down the sidewalk. They can't find appropriately licensed individuals to work in the industry because it is so disgusting and corrupt. And so it for to force them to meet those standards, it closes the doors themselves. We had our first closure was in September of last year. He was an 87 year old physician with showing signs of impairment. He had shaking hands. He had a hard time communicating. And all it took 
was him knowing that the medical board had opened an investigation against him. He knew he was in trouble. He knew that he could not operate in a way that they would be okay with giving him a license again. And so he just shut his doors. He retired the day the medical board opened the investigation against him. But it's, it's situations like that where as soon as we hold them to a standard, they know that they can't meet it. One of the reasons for the success of an effort like this, and, and like I say, we, we saw this uh, through, the, through the 90s and the mm -hmm. early 2000s, is that these people are uh, often in a very tenuous situation, mm -hmm. like, the, like, the, like the abortionist you just described. It's mm -hmm. not like, oh, you know, we're committed, we'll die for this. No, not at all. They're very, very ambivalent, very conflicted, mm -hmm. uh, and, and they're just hanging on by a string, many of them, so that the slightest little threat, yeah. Uh, uh, and when I say threat, I mean, oh, we're going to shine a light on the fact that, you know, your your hands are shaking or you're not properly licensed or something like mm -hmm. that. They'll run. They'll they'll right. they'll run. It won't take much to get mm -hmm. some of these people out mm -hmm. of these abortion facilities. Yeah. A lot of them already have a history of medical negligence. We were, were working on a case. Um, I can't give too many details about it, but working on a case where the physician is already on a probationary license yeah. because he was convicted of Medicaid fraud and had already had a run in with the medical board over using unlicensed people in, in different positions in his office. And so then we have other cases where these physicians are bankrupt, you know, and they have a significant financial issue issues or a history of drug problems. I mean, the, the physicians that we deal with already have a laundry list of issues on their records. And so when we come in, it's it's really just the, the last straw to say they need to stop practicing altogether. So friends, if you're just joining us, uh, Missy Martinez Stone heads up Reprotection. Go to reprotection.org. And the idea here is simply this. Do you wanna see the abortion facilities in your community closed? Well, there's many ways to do that. And one of them is simply to expose uh, and uh, take action regarding illegal activity on the part of that abortion facility. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 you mentioned, Missy, about these agencies that are responsible for enforcing regulations on healthcare uh, facilities not willing to touch abortion. This is a pattern we've seen for the longest time. Mm -hmm. uh, attorneys, uh, you know, in the pro-life movement, talk about the abortion distortion, which right, means that yeah. all the rules that normally apply uh, all, all of a sudden don't apply when it comes to abortion. And didn't we see this in in very stark detail in the Kermit Gosnell case, yes. when the grand jury actually said explicitly that the uh, the Pennsylvania authorities, state authorities, didn't do their job. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they didn't want to touch, the wording they used was they didn't want to touch the hot potato, the political hot potato of abortion. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit of how the lessons of the Gosnell case apply to what you, what you do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we see it every day when we are trying to work with these agencies, they will find every reason why it is not their responsibility because they don't, they know that as soon as they step in and try to regulate the abortion industry, the abortion industry is going to attack them. They are going to be painted as anti-choice, anti-women and agencies just simply don't want to deal with that. It looks bad on 
on governors. It looks bad on the on states. And so we saw this a perfect example was a few years ago when the health department in Missouri had a completely legitimate case to close down the Planned Parenthood in St. Louis. And what happened? They sued everyone. They took it to whatever court they could. They went outside of the protocol for what is appropriate to handle these kinds of cases and got an activist judge somewhere to step in and help them stay open. And it was such a difficult case to deal with uh, that they they were able to stay open. And I think a lot of agencies see that and they go, I just don't want to deal with the media. I don't want to deal with the criticism. I don't want to deal with the mess. And so part of our job is the follow-up is saying, no, you have a job to do. This is your responsibility. I had a really clear response for this Florida case. It was an egregious case. We had, we had a, a woman running out of the facility screaming, call 911 because she was so afraid for her life. And we submitted this complaint. Eyewitness testimony. It was a, a, here's this history of medical negligence. And they said, we don't have regulatory authority over that. And I said, I immediately responded and I said, yes, you do. And I sent them all of the code that gave them regulatory authority. And they still were like, no, I, this is, this is not us. You need to call someone else. And so we had to go above their heads and above their heads. And eventually we made it to the governor's office and we said, you have a problem because your yeah. agencies don't want to regulate dangerous situations. We're not talking about, he didn't sign some paperwork. He is sending women to the hospital. A girl went running out of his facility, screaming, call 911. There's a problem here. Um, and so as someone, someone got a hold of this woman. Someone got a hold of her because a year later, she said, thank you so much for submitting your complaint. <laughs> and they opened the investigation and he closed his practice. But a big part of our job is that follow through to say, no, you have a responsibility to these patients, to this state, um, to enforce the laws that are on the books. Exactly. Well, your website, reprotection.org, has an action section. Mm -hmm. And uh, on these programs, we always give some people something specific to do. And tonight, I simply want to urge them to go to that website. But th there is an action section there. What can a listener who's right now watching us and saying, wow, you know, this is really, you know, I'd love to help close down abortion mm -hmm. facilities in my community. What, uh, when they go there to the website, would they be invited to start doing? How can they help? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the biggest thing that we offer is for the people on the ground in their local communities, typically sidewalk counselors or pregnancy center staff, they know what's going on at the abortion facilities. They've heard the horror stories. And a lot of times they just don't know what to do with that information. We have have uh, figured out how to deal with the bureaucracy of filing complaints and doing the research. So. If you've heard something about the abortion business in your neighborhood, um, if you heard if you've heard a horror story or you've heard or you've witnessed something and you just don't know what to do with that information, um, on that tab there is an option for you to say, "Hey, we've seen this. Can you help us look into these situations?" And we will take on that investigation. We will find out, you know, what was what laws are violated, who's responsible, and and what's the best way forward and work alongside of you to create a strategy for that specific um, facility. And also where if you're somebody who 
uh, loves research. We, I kind of joke, like calling all pro-life introverts. What we do is very behind the scenes. It's, a, it's very research-based. Um, if that's something as a pro-lifer that you've said, I've never really found a way that my gifts uh, fit, you know, because a lot of it is outside and activism. But if, if you're more drawn to reading and research and data, you know, we need volunteers because our caseload has just exploded. We have over 45 investigations right now all across the country and more coming in every day. Um, and so we need help with our research team to, to carry those those loads. But if neither of those things are available to you, we are a 501c3. We're a nonprofit and we're always looking for support. We need partners to continue to grow, to meet the demand. I mean, we are in high demand right now. Uh, states, state leaders are calling us and saying, can you come into our community and help us identify the vulnerabilities of the abortion industry and come up with a comprehensive plan to shut it down? And I say, yes, I want to answer every single call. Um, but we need supporters to be able to do that. So there's lots of ways to get involved. Uh, we're growing fast and it, we're really, really excited to, uh, you know, keep impacting uh, our nation this way. Fantastic. Well, thanks for the work. Uh, again, it's something that has always been uh, very much uh, uh, on my mind and part of my efforts as well for many years. And it is a key to ending abortion in our in our nation. Uh, thank you, Missy. And uh, I know that many of our viewers will go to the website and get involved. And we'll be keeping, of course, in close contact with you so that we can continue to update our audience as well. God bless you and keep up the great work. Yeah, thank you so much. And friends, God bless you for joining us. Let's pray now based on what we've just heard. Lord, thank you for the efforts to expose the darkness. Thank you, for Lord, for efforts to enforce the just laws that have already been passed for the protection of moms and dads and families and, of course, your tiniest children. Lord, we ask you that the abortion industry would be stopped from doing the harm that it does and that our communities and our nation will be cleansed of the scourge uh, of this violence. Lord, end the bloodshed, heal the wounds, and let your people rise up to do what is right. We ask this in the name of Jesus, the risen Lord, and we pray now as he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And friends, you might remember us talking about something called unsafe. So our friends over at Americans United for Life have documented so many of the kinds of violations that we've been referring to on this episode uh, all across the country. Uh, go to AUL.org as well and look at Unsafe. It's a publication that you can order and download, and you'll see exactly the documentation we're talking about, as well as an older but still very instructive Instructive book called Lime 5, L-I-M-E, the number five. Uh, and you can find that one also online. And it will show you some documentation of these kinds of violations from, uh, from years gone by. The same kind of, of, of problems are still happening. And that's what reprotection.org aims to stop.
Thanks, friends. Follow me on social media at FR Frank Pavone, as you see on the bottom of the screen on all the major platforms. Follow Right Side Broadcasting at RSB Network and continue to spread the word about this program. Let's continue praying and working for America. God bless you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.